0: Welcome to the terrible podcast season 13 episode 57. He Day Brian. I'm Alex Kazora, Steelers Depot.com. Thank you guys for being back with us here this Monday this victory Monday as the Pittsburgh Steelers defeat the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday 1916 pushing Pittsburgh's record to five and seven on the year and Dave. Uh, first of all, congrats on calling this one. You and I split differently or split yesterday or on Friday show about picking this game. And so you, uh, you won the week as the Steelers did kind of a, a weirdly emotional game on a lot of different levels. This one, um, you know, not going to be one of the greatest games in Steelers history, but a pretty memorable performance in Atlanta on Sunday.
1: Yeah, there's going to be th- several little things. I think that we look back on this game and, 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 and remember overall and, uh, thankfully, obviously a win being attached to it on top of it there. Uh man, what about I told you Steelers fans. I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's no secret Steelers fans show up uh uh to these road games and you know the whole the whole narrative that uh oh they travel well as if they're coming from Pittsburgh. No, that, that that's not how, how uh this works as, uh w- with this. Uh it's just the, the fact that. Steeter fans are all over the place and there's such a you know large contingent of them down south and into Florida and 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 uh Alabama and and obviously Georgia and on into you know Louisiana uh, areas that 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 are really you know make Atlanta very very uh, accessible so uh you know, I I bet you know as soon as this schedule came out and, and people found out that this game you know this year was going to be in Atlanta, uh, a lot of Steeler fans you know that that normally can't make you know long trips or maybe you know can't can't afford to fly it, uh, willing to drive it. That that's how it works. I I mean I I think really just growing up down South and knowing that, man, I had the rarity of the Steelers getting close uh, to, especially to, to, you know, my town, Pensacola was, was rare. And, you know, Atlanta's, you know, what six hour, seven hour drive or whatnot uh, that you can make uh, it, 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 you could see this coming that they were going to have a, a large, large turnout of Steeler fans. And boy, did they, <laughs> it was almost like a uh, uh, home game for them. It, it yeah, at least from the TV aspect and, several shots that I saw. So uh kudos to fans for uh for supporting their team that way. And you know, I think at, at certain points of the game it made a little bit of a different difference even.
0: Yeah, I saw a video that our own Ross McCorkle had posted on Twitter and he was at that game uh pregame and, and just walking around and just filming and just a random group of people and it was as as he tweeted about probably eighty percent Steeler fans. So it really was a home game and it had that kind of feel. I mean the Falcons will fall starting and stuff like that. And so it really I mean, in your experience, in your time um, in in Savannah and in, in Florida, did did it feel like it was a really strong contingency of Steelers fans?
1: Oh uh, yeah! Look, I mean, in Savannah, they uh, there was a uh, you know Steelers bar there, coaches uh, coaches corner there, and actually had two locations uh, in town, and uh, you could count on being able to see. Uh, you know, the Steelers game at either one of those two locations just because you know, so just a large, large contingent of, of, of Steelers fans. Now, back in Pensacola, you know, I worked, uh, you know, qu- quite a bit different, you know, a lot of times growing up, I wasn't able to, 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 to even watch games live, uh, back then. So, you know, I don't, I don't remember, but I mean, I know there was a large contingent of Steelers fans in Florida, period. And obviously, anytime. You know, the few times that I would go to go see the see a game, you know, go over to Jacksonville or 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 over to New Orleans. I mean, once again, just I mean, Steelers Nation was everywhere. So uh, I wasn't a bit surprised to see the kind of turnout that they had uh in 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 Atlanta, that's for sure.
0: Bit of housekeeping before we talk about the game itself. On Saturday, the Steelers making a roster move activating rookie defense alignment to Marvin Leal off of injured reserve. He had been on there since prior to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game with a knee injury. So good to get him back and healthy. Corresponding move, of course, had to be made to put Leal on the 53. And that was cornerback Akella Witherspoon, who was placed on IR after missing uh, another chunk of weeks with that hamstring injury. So effectively, his season's over at this point. Technically, I think he could come back before the year ends, but don't uh, really count on that overall. So a lost season, unfortunately, for Witherspoon. Liao playing seven snaps, mainly as a third down interior rusher uh, in yesterday's game. From an active standpoint, Isaiah Latimuk uh, goes back to an active with Liao being up. Other than that, pretty status quo when it comes to the guys who did not dress.
1: Yeah, what did he get out of Witherspoon in totality? Uh three three the equivalent of three games because didn't he leave the, the third game around or the uh the third game against the Browns like around halftime and then about the same against the Eagles uh as well too. I mean, I he I think he appeared in four games, but I think you look at totality of snaps is about the equivalent of of, of three games with him.
0: And those snaps were not very good. Mm-hmm. So as you talked about, you know. He's a hard guy to trust to put it all together. Luckily, there isn't a ton of guaranteed money with him. He is under contract next year. I imagine he'll be back just to see, but just to his compete. role, yeah, right, his role, his, his his status with the team very much unknown.
1: Yeah, look, uh, he's not going to kill you from a salary cap perspective, but on top of it you know, uh, the guaranteed money aspect and all like that. I mean, if you, if you could upgrade the position, you upgrade the position. So, uh, we'll see if he ends up getting back up off IR, uh, you know, later in the season, I, am with you. I'm kind of, I kind of doubt it at this point, but it's not unthinkable. And then when you get into next, next season or next off season, I would expect him to stick. It's just a matter of, will he stick past, uh, the setting of the 53 man roster.
0: All right, let's talk about this game. And just off the top, and I tweeted this shortly after, and it was the reason why I incorrectly picked Atlanta in this game. Credit to this entire Pittsburgh team, both players, coaching staff, support staff, trainers, et cetera, because you just played two games in six days, both on the road, and you won them both. And I understand the Colts and the Falcons are not the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Bengals and these higher echelon type of teams, but I don't care. It's the NFL and that's so tough to do. And I think the Colts and the Falcons both had their strengths and weren't the worst teams in football either. So just, just as a matter of principle to do that, two road wins in six days is incredibly tough to do. And I don't want to overlook that because it's easy to do so just when you're looking at numbers and watching the game, but just the whole logistical aspect of it really impressive by this team. And oh yeah, their first winning streak of the season.
1: Oh yeah, Uh, and you know, I I tell you, uh, defensively they looked a little bit sluggish and tired uh, overall. T.J. Watt was not right in that game, (laughs) and 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 he revealed the second to the I think I think he said the second to the last play uh, in the game against the Colts. He got he got uh, uh, ribbed. Pretty good there, and that's you know why he showed up on the injury report this past week. And uh, I think wearing some sort of a rib protector in this game, uh, he looked a little bit sluggish in this game as well too. So uh, yeah, look, I mean, any any W in National Football League is 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 you know tough to get. I don't care who you play and all, and for them to do that on the, on a short week like they did uh, on the road, you know it, it you know is quite a. Uh, quite an accomplishment, even if it was a team that I kind of viewed that they probably should beat regardless of the situation there. So kudos to them. First time this year, we're talking about back-to-back wins.
0: Yeah, certainly feels good. So where do you want to start here, Dave? Offense, defense, where do you want to begin discuss, discussing and dissecting this game?
1: Uh, let's talk first on about special teams and, have, Ooh, and make, okay. make sure we get uh, uh, the proper – uh, kudos out there when it when 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 it comes to that, you know, Mike Tomlin talked early in the week, and it's one thing that we knew right off the bat when you talked to I me. Mean, how many conversations that we had about Cordero Patterson ahead of this game, and uh, Mike Tomlin saying, "Look, you know, you got to be careful when it when it comes to the kicking game and kicking to that guy specifically because uh, he'll house one on you for 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 lack of a better word. Uh, when the coin toss happened. I was glad to see the. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to see the Steelers not have to kick off uh, to start this thing. And I and uh, but I, I I tell you what, they did a great job of game planning around uh, the kickoff and keeping the football out of the hands of 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 Cordell Patterson, uh, the little pooch. Uh, early, I mean they they and then you know, I think ended up being what three three other touchbacks in here uh Patterson never touched the football on kickoffs nope. and you know you kicked off quite a few times in this game and i think when you look at the average starting field position of 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 all these kicks i mean what was it let's see uh uh kick returns uh, williams had two for 45 uh 22.5 average uh, smith had one for 10 yards and then you had uh three touchbacks i mean that, that that's doing the job there. So I think first and foremost, you got to just say, you know, kudos to 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 the game planning and the execution on the special teams aspect of not letting a guy like Cordero Patterson uh, impact the game in that area.
0: Absolutely. In this era where kickoffs are less of a, a thing than they used to be, you're not usually talking about placement and keeping away from a player and things like that. But, it was required in this game. And I don't know how many game balls they give out. There were certainly several players deserving of one, but I hope Matthew Wright got one because not only what he, what he did as a kicker making what four field goals, three from 46 plus, but the placement on those kicks, and that's not an easy thing to do right. to have good placement, keep it in bounds and hang time and all those kinds of things. It's, it's uh, different from the norm of how you usually operate on kickoff. So uh, as you said, Patterson did not touch the ball once field position, not an issue in this game. Um, and then you're talking special teams and Presley Harvin his probably the best punt of his career mm-hmm. down to the one there before a make a call game. So across the board, special teams was excellent.
1: Yeah, look outside of that, that, that uh muff uh, on a right. punt by Sims that luckily he recovered there. Uh Pretty like you said, Matthew Wright, and that might have been the last game that Matthew Wright kicks for this team because Chris Boswell. The the report is that you know he'll be available and come off IR this uh, this week and kick up kick against the uh, the Ravens now on on, on Sunday there. So uh, yeah, just across the board, I, I think you got to give special teams at least an A minus, right?
0: Yeah, I think. What it, I don't know what Josh put the grade at there on his report, but it should be. Pretty high overall, I imagine. Uh, yeah, A minus exactly. You know what you suggested there. Um, yeah, you, you, you know, a way to my heart, Dave, talking special teams here early. So, but yeah, it, it was so critical in this game for multiple reasons, multiple layers, and it, it got the job done. So, kudos to to Danny Smith, and that's why I say Danny Smith forever, and I will not <laughs> not change my tone no matter what. But. Um, let, let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense after we talk about special teams here. You know, it was more of the same in terms of that Colts game, Falcons game, pretty, pretty similar offensively, defensively, continue to run the ball effectively, efficiently uh, convert on third down, still struggling to finish some opportunities, um, but still play, you know, mistake free football overall and and just really control the ball and control the clock.
1: Man, what did we say before the season started? What a Steelers win would look like this season: running the football, uh, not turning the football over, uh, get, get some defensive play in there, uh, and you prob- probably win some, only scoring nineteen or twenty points. And that—that's exactly what you got in this one. Now, the running game—I tell you what—right now, you 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 rewind back to kind of our thoughts in the preseason and. Uh, the offensive line and, and 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 worried about that especially when it came comes to the uh uh running game there this is a night and day uh uh look at, at the offensive line especially from the run game perspective man you go back and even in a tv tape because we've yet to, the the all 22s yet to drop yet uh you can see them getting good good push off the offensive line Uh, in, in these last couple of games and this one specifically, uh, and I thought they might be able to run, you know, like, like I said, last week against the Colts, I thought that they might be able to run the football, uh, against the Falcons, uh, and talking about running the football, this might've been quite honestly, and, and there obviously hasn't been many, many games that overall in his career, but this might be the, the most on a run by run aspect, best game that Najee Harris has had.
0: I don't think there's a mite about it. I think it absolutely was. I mean, he ran angry. He was breaking tackles. He had leg drive. He looked like a fully healthy, you know, that's who you drafted. That's who you saw the vast majority of last year, Najee Harris. I believe the stat was... 40 of his 86 yards came after contact. I mean, he was, he was creating, I mean, the blocking was good in some respect, but they didn't always get the job done and his vision and he does, earned some. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that was, you know, and, and that's the mark of that's what you want from a running back to get more than what's blocked beyond what's blocked. Any running back worth their salt in the NFL can get what's there. It's what's not there immediately. What you create on your own. Harris was routinely doing that a good rotation overall using all three backs that, more active in Jalen Warren, more third down, his blocking on the edge. You pointed out, I mean, get Warren as a lead blocker. I mean, he's just Ooh. an angry little about angry little man. He's an angry little <laughs> man that blocks like it. Benny Stelling, some early down work. So, yeah, I thought the backs overall really stepped up yesterday.
1: Yeah. I, and look, I have no issue with kind of that rotation either. If it helps keep, uh, if they want to elongate Najee's career, you know, uh, this is the kind of stuff that they're going to have to do you are going to have to have a second or a third back kind of, uh, uh relieve some carries off of him and, and, and handle some third down work. Uh, and I know that kind of goes against what, 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 what Mike Tomlin generally likes to do. He likes to have that bell cow out there, right. but I think it makes Najee a better back. If you, if you, can spell him a little bit more and look, be, say what you will. And, and I I know it won't go unnoticed in, 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 in the running back room and in the team meetings, but Benny Snell is doing everything and more of what you want him to do on the offensive side of football. And uh, Warren obviously as well, you know, they seem like they tried to tamp, you know, Warren's first game back with that hamstring probably didn't want to do too terribly much with him, but he was, he was pretty impactful when a few plays that he was on the field.
0: Yeah, it felt like and, and Tom's charting, which just came in, maybe I can I can do our weekly uh let me pull up information as we talk about a thing. Uh it felt like Warren was more in his role of a third down back, snug mm-hmm. rotational, first and second down. Harris, of course, your starter. I know Warren did play some on early downs and, and, and got one carry in this game, but it felt like there was more of a, a clearer division of labor there. But um, regardless, just a good, healthy rotation. Everybody played fresh. And that's probably one reason why Harris ran so well, because he was constantly, you know, coming in fresh.
1: And look, you know, everybody probably tired of those Stephen Sims, you know, jet runs, but a couple of them were were effective, you know?
0: I mean, they better do something because the pass game's not offering anything for Mm -hmm. the slot receivers. So you better be contributing something in the run game. I think also some of the motion, you know, pull some of those linebackers, the the Falcons on, on my tape study prior to this game responded to motion pretty heavily. And so all you saw in some of those Najee Harris runs, a lot of, you know, jet motion that kind of pulled those linebackers just a little bit that, that kind of messes with their eyes and their keys.
1: Uh, look, uh, they rush for what, 154 yards and how many, how many games in a row now have they or what, what's the three game total, uh, the stat that, that, that. Mike put up there for, from PR, forget what exactly what it said, but I mean, this team is running the football now. So, uh, and, and, you know, you've got to, you've got to respect that uh, on top of it. And, you know, the starting five, once again, knock on wood, uh, playing together quite a bit. I mean, not many of these guys up front have missed uh, snaps throughout the season here. So you got the continuity aspect of it and all. And I just thought there was just in general, uh, and obviously, it wasn't every play, but uh, there there was good push on the offensive line, and and on the plays where there wasn't, I thought Najee Harris did a good job of earning uh, some some hard yards. I, I I haven't calculated his success rate, but uh, it, it it's got to be over fifty percent in that game.
0: Yeah, no, no no gaudy run. His longest was fourteen, which probably should have been a lot longer. Though like the turf monster got him there, unfortunately, but uh, just consistently ran well. You know, not a lot of negative plays in this one, and. And that's important. To answer the question, Jalen Warren looks like 15 total offensive snaps, eight of those on third down. So okay. can primarily third down type role. But um, I, I think the rotation worked well overall.
1: Right. I agree. Uh, so, you know, run game obviously is one thing that you uh, uh, that you come out of that game feeling, feeling good about
0: and and to your point it's a really crucial one that's again one of those things that's easy to overlook take for granted until you realize you don't have it but the continuity with the offensive line maybe mm-hmm. finally after all this time because they've literally worked together healthy since day one of training camp so it's been a process and ebbs and flows and growing pains but when you're playing together for this long it's almost inevitable that you're going to start to gel and your combo blocks are better and cleaner and and the communication's cleaner and you're seeing things better in your zone you know movement and stuff like that so um, when you have an offensive line that is not great but is just intact, which is so rare in the NFL, you have so many lines that are rotating people and they're playing ten different people this year. Um, that's a that's a hidden benefit to your run game and your offense overall.
1: And look, we talked about him. I don't want to spend too much time because we talked about him in the last show. Ma- Mason Cole's very, very confident. I, I think you get it. You get a. You, get a, uh, you just get this, the the this sense that when he goes up to the offensive line, and he's making some of these calls or whatnot, pointing things out. Uh, he just he just oozes oozes confidence you know i i think there, so uh uh ended up being a pretty good ad by the students at that position
0: yeah and james daniels is night and day from where he was this summer just in terms of comfort and using the techniques the hop step and pass pro stuff like that so uh, and i know a core four i think he played hurt in this one i feel like he got hurt early and was kind of with his wrist or something and then he had a slinger and, and came out for a couple of snaps and trent scott got his first work at of tackle offensive tackle this year but uh a core four um uh, came back in, so yeah. I, I should have mentioned from a from an in, in in game injury standpoint, not a lot to note. According to Mike Tomlin, he'll of course speak to the media uh, on Tuesday. Said that TJ Watt, as you mentioned earlier, was pretty beat up in this game. Levi Wallace, Terrell Edmonds, temporarily leaving. Both returns. Same with the core four. So it uh, just seems like the bumps and bruises you get when you're playing two games in six days.
1: Aggie, 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 Bronco, Bronco.
0: <laughs> you had fun listening to line calls. That was your. That's how you spent yeah. your, your Sunday night.
1: Yeah, I did.
0: Can you explain those just real quickly for those? Yeah. yeah. Here, uh, uh,
1: I mean, and you, great boom, mic. there are certain stadiums where I think where that, where that uh, boom, mic probably picks up things that, but you can hear uh, almost all the calls that uh, Mason Cole uh, was making. And uh, uh, Aggie ended up being uh, to the left side because uh, slide protection left because Dan Moore, Texas A&M Aggie mm. uh, there. And, Yeah, a little bit, you know, uh, you had them figured out by the end of the first quarter there because later on uh, uh, there was a Bronco call and obviously Chiquamacore for Western Michigan Bronco there. So uh, you didn't have to be a... uh, uh, a heart scientist or a rocket surgeon to uh, I, I, I don't think to figure that out uh, sitting here in 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 mom's basement in your underwear here but uh, it, it was fun to see that i didn't see them kind of code off of that because uh, sometimes you'll see them use that and then they'll use a trigger word that will trigger the opposite of it you know to mm-hmm. keep, keep teams guessing but i mean they didn't they didn't have a whole heck of a lot of snaps Really, you know, where where you heard a lot of line calls, I don't think, especially in the second half there. Uh, So uh, definitely I would think about changing that up before the next game.
0: I'm sure they will, but hopefully we will not have to learn where Trent Scott went to college. If we don't, that means that the guy stayed healthy and and that's the ultimate call there. So um, anything else with the run game? I think that sums it up well with with the pass game. You know, again, it was a solid performance. Kenny Pickett not doing too much, not making any sort of mistakes. Um, It was certainly a tight end, heavy type of offense. The receivers did very little in this game. Overall, we can talk about the frustration that George Pickens had and Deontay Johnson's performance. But just on a positive note there, uh, the tight end's kind of ruling the day. Pat Frymuth really ascending. Connor Hayward, his first career touchdown. So, I mean, this was a very old school game in the sense of it was run game, tight ends. Those are the people who dominated and, and created the stories uh, that produced the win.
1: This is like a uh, Ben Roethlisberger 2004 win, wasn't it? You know, very, yeah, uh, very much. Uh, let's see, 105 yards after the catch, ke- yards after the catch for the for uh, for the Steelers in the passing game on just 16 catches. Uh, it was highlighted, obviously, by the forty-eight uh, yak that Pat Fryermuth had on on his long catch and run, which, by the way, is a new longest uh, uh, play for the from, scrim- from scrimmage for the Steelers this season. That was good to see a double explosive play uh, there. And look, only sixteen catches, but I mean, you, you even saw guys like Deontay Johnson get a little bit of yak. I mean, not not a ton, but uh, one hundred and five on sixteen catches. Uh, I'll take it, uh, you know, e- even if uh, one of them was a, was a huge chunk, uh, nearly half of them come from Pat Frymuth there. But uh, uh, that's the kind of stuff that you need with this offense, uh, those explosive plays and those double explosive plays uh, to help offset, you know, running a lot of plays where you might try to shoot yourself in the foot, which the Steelers do. Did indeed try to do <laughs> uh unfortunately in this game. Uh I thought overall, I mean top to bottom, you look at uh, you look at uh Kenny Pickett 16 or 28. That means obviously 12 uh 12 passes uh incomplete. One of those is obviously a throwaway. Um one was a drop by Deontay, right? Uh two, I think, got thrown into the carpet. Uh, one was maybe one that Sims probably should have caught, uh, even though it was, it, it was a little bit low there. Uh, one was a, a, probably the biggest miss of the game for him, uh, was Pat fire moved out down, down the scene. Uh, he's got to hit that. We agree, mm-hmm. right? Sure. I mean, he uh, said as much. Right. And, 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 you know, he, he he said as much there. And then uh, let's see, one of the incompletions was uh, deep ball down the left side in a ball that probably didn't even have any business throwing that one. Right. Uh, to Deontay.
0: Yeah, Deontay actually right. made a good place to, to make sure that was not picked off.
1: Right. That was probably you. You were asking for it wherever the ball placement was, because I think that safety gets over the top. You got to throw that early or not have the double move aspect of it. But anyway, you know, I I, I consider that one maybe the maybe one that he got away with in this game uh, overall. But, uh, uh, you know, there were a couple obviously a couple of nice throws in this game. I, I thought top to bottom, he managed the game well from a passing situation you would like to have seen him maybe complete a couple of more of these passes here. Uh, but I, I, you know, look, the, uh, the, 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 touchdown to Connor Hayward was a great call at the right time. Great pass. What, you know, uh, one, you better hit that one right there. But, uh, uh, I, I felt okay, good about his uh, performance overall. There was just you know a few more passes in there that he probably should have. Uh, the early progress, the, the early uh, throw to Pat Farnooh, where he starts right and and, and whips around all the mm-hmm. way to the left, and man, he put that ball right on the button. Yep. Uh, in in that one, for him to, for, and you look at his feet work in that. And now he's able to quickly reset and 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 stride into that uh, into that throw. Uh, I mean, that was probably his best throw of the game. to Be honest with you, uh, it, just from from what he was asked for, what he needed to do on that play. So, I mean, we saw the accuracy uh, with him in this game. Uh, once again, you probably handful of those balls you'd like to see uh, completed, but uh, top to bottom, what what a bad throwing performance on his part.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't look like much on the stat sheet, uh, an eight-yard completion, whatever it was to move. but, I mean, it's a full-field read, going right to left, ice feet in sync. He's mechanically, I'm not a, a, an expert in quarterback mechanics, but he's mechanically, to what I can gather, a very clean quarterback. And and some of the guys that I trust, whenever he came out, talked about mechanically how sound he was, and, and I think that's carried over, and that's what makes him an accurate quarterback overall. But to the point you made earlier, so the two longest – plays Pittsburgh's had this year in the past game are from tight ends, right? Pat Frymuth and Connor Hayward. So <laughs> that, that has that 04 kind of feel to it where your big plays are coming from your, your tight ends. But with Frymuth, you know, I meant to do a video on this. I, I'm going to sound like I'm smarter because I'm saying I was going to do it and I didn't uh, actually do it. But uh, even prior to this game, it felt like Frymuth, one of the biggest jumps he had made from last year was post catch being so that old quick to the tuck, which old uh, receivers coach, Scotty Montgomery uh, talked about, you know, as soon as you make the catch get upfield, and you it's it felt like he's been quicker upfield, and certainly on that 57 yard uh, run, I mean, he's immediately turning upfield, and that's good ball placement that creates the opportunity, so that has to be talked about as well, but um, Frymuth is showing some burst post-catch that he did not always show as a rookie.
1: Yeah, look, uh, uh, absolutely, and the, we, we've talked about how his average yards per catch needed to go up this year, you know, uh, with Firemuth than it has and uh that, that's obviously good to see look the only other here here we are back talking about the two things that that we want to see progress in in this offense and kenny pickett in particular uh moving forward right burying the red zone uh trips and being able to connect downfield uh a, a little bit further more consistent consistently and yeah. everything else. I don't, I don't really have, you know, much of an issue with any, with, 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 with the other portions of Kenny Pickett's game. I think this is just the area that we need to continue to hopefully watch grow uh, in this because uh, look, they moved, they moved the football in this game, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, first uh, and we won't count the fifth possession because that was just uh, uh, we want to, we want to get it to halftime right here, but their first four possessions man they ran 16 12 4 and 9 plays in total here and uh field goal field goal touchdown field goal i mean four four scoring drives and but you only come away with uh uh with what 16 points in that you, that that's got to be better because that 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 had they had they scored a touchdown on one of the, one of those other drives that really kind of shape uh uh really st- changes the complexion of the game in the second half because, you know, the the Falcons did not do a good job early in the game of being able to establish the running game, something that you knew that they wanted to do. But when you had that game as close as it was at at halftime, uh, it still allowed the Falcons to come out and still try to do what their their identity is. And they started to do it. Uh, They started to have success doing uh, that. And so, you know, long story short, and, and we've seen this now for a couple we games, we're, we're insatiable, right? We want to see them move the football, and, and, and they start moving the football. Now we want points <laughs> to, to, to go along with it. So, you know, I thought they did a really good job, especially in the first half of moving the football down the field. Now what they got to do is start, you know, Cashing in and it's not necessarily red zone opportunities because they're stalling kind of outside of of the red zone. However, that's coming after they've been inside the red zone. Uh, When you look at specifically the plays that this team ran inside the red zone, they shot themselves in the foot.
0: Yeah, the red zone fringe. And as a a quick sidebar, according to uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the Panthers are releasing Baker Mayfield. And so he Mm -hmm. will hit waivers and we'll see where he goes to San Francisco or who knows where. And so not that he wasn't really in contention to to start in Pittsburgh, I guess, come is that week 15, two weeks from now. But uh, a note there on a former Brown and now a former Panther.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess what? They're going to go with Darnold, right? Uh, The Panthers will.
0: PJ Walker I guess is still there as well.
1: And what is, why wouldn't you after all you've gone through with with the whole Baker thing why wouldn't you at least try to see if you could get compensatory value out of it? Unless he's just saying guys you got to get me out of it. You know, you know or I, I I just don't understand the reasoning behind it. Maybe to save a couple of salary cap dollars in here, I guess versus uh, maybe some compensatory formula stuff. I don't know, but uh, I was a bit surprised to see that come across yeah, this morning.
0: That's the news there. So no uh, no Baker story whenever the Steelers play uh, Carolina here in two weeks. Again, I still ask the question, who is even in Carolina at this point? The whole coaching staff's gone. The whole roster's been turned over. Just a, a mess of a year for the Panthers, but to bring it hey, back to you,
1: you agree—that's another game that that's that's a game the Steelers should win, right?
0: <laughs> they should. They better right. fashion. They don't, they don't. They don't always do those kinds of things. But I mean, listen, it's just to, to quickly talk about this. I mean, they're five and seven. They're still a ways away from playoffs. But you're facing a potentially Lamarless Ravens team this week, and then Carolina. I mean, the rest of the schedule is not looking all that terrifying.
1: Right, and. I mean, I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but it's, it's not, they're not eliminated right now either. You know? They
0: just didn't dig themselves a major hole. They didn't lose to the jets. You know, if they didn't do some of those things and they'd won some of those games, then they would literally be right in the, the wild card hunt right. right now. So if it just wasn't that deep hole, they dug themselves, then they'd really be in a serious conversation.
1: Uh, just win anyway. the next game. That that yep. should be the only thing they're looking at right now is just to win the next game. Cause if look, if you don't beat Baltimore, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it just if, 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 if it does It's a single elimination term, tournament right now, right?
0: Well, I think in, in theory, although it's probably unlikely, if you went 9-8, and eight, if you lost one game and then won the rest, you're 9-8. and eight. I mean, you, you probably don't of make it because of tiebreakers with Cleveland and stuff like that, but you would need a lot of help. But I think you know you could lose one game and theoretically still have a chance.
1: All right, well, who's the one game that you'd you be able to lose to? It has to be Baltimore, right? want to lose one of the two to Baltimore, I would think.
0: Or Carolina, because it's out of conference, I guess, from that perspective, but I don't know. All
1: right, so I'm going um, back to, 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 to red zone problems with this team here. Uh, this team took one, two, three, four, five, seven snaps within the red zone, and you want to get into semantics here. I guess technically red zone is from the one to the 19-yard line uh is is the is considered the inside the red zone. Uh they ran what would I tell you they ran seven plays. I'm gonna read them off to you. Penalty on <laughs> Kevin Dots. That's a bad start. That's, that's not even a play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, penalty on Kevin Dots uh uh Kevin Dots a false start five yards and enforced at the Atlanta uh twelve uh so that 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 backs you up to the uh to to the seventeen luckily that 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 shooting in the foot did not come back to ha- to haunt them because the uh, I guess the next play, Kenny Pickett passed deep middle to Connor Hayward for 17 yards touchdown, and we will get to that play specifically here in a little bit. So please bear with us because we got a lot to talk about there. Uh, the next time, the next play in the red zone penalty on Deontay Johnson, false start for five yards enforced at the Atlanta 14. Uh, for, for, for no play. And I believe that, that, let's see, that would have taken it to the 19. Uh, so the very next play after that, Benny Snell left guard to the Atlanta 17 for two yards in total. And I would imagine that was the second down play. If I remember the next play, I think, uh, Scott reported in as, as in as eligible. Kenny Pickett pass incomplete deep right to uh, Deont- Deontay Johnson. That was the one that if that's a better, if that's a, that's one that we didn't talk about in the incompletion uh, uh, portion of, of, of P- Pickett in this game. Uh, if that ball's up a little bit higher, Deontay has a chance to make a play on that ball, but it's just a little bit underthrown into the back of the de- defender. And that one would have taken a re- remarkable play to get completed, correct?
0: Correct. Not a great ball, and Deontay still looking for his first touchdown of the season, which is did, a crazy thought.
1: Did you like the call? Did you like the? I mean, did you like yeah. the d- decision to go for the end zone there?
0: Yeah, I didn't mind. That got a good matchup. I mean, take it, take the chance there. Just a better ball would have had a better chance.
1: All right, and then uh, the next play was that second down or third down? That play was to 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 Deontay. Uh.
0: I can try to check but I'm not sure. I that, think that, it was second down.
1: Yeah, I think it was second down cuz I think the next play 533 penalty on Pittsburgh delay a game uh 5 yards. Uh, uh yeah, that would have been the next play in there. So uh uh and then the final the the seventh snap inside the red zone was the Kenny Pickett kneel down to the end the game. So, yeah, so uh they discount that. Yeah, so they didn't do themselves really any favors. You know, you did get the you get the touchdown. You did get the touchdown to Connor Hayward there. Uh you had a chance on another deep pass you'll throw to the end zone there, but uh you have what three three penalties in total, uh in, 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 in inside the red zone there. Uh that's that's not the way you want to, to do things down there.
0: Yeah, when you have the hierarchy of plays in the red zone, at the top is a very good one, the 17 yard touchdown. And then your next best play is a two yard run. (laughs) So, whenever that's your next best play in the red zone, typically an issue. So, issues with both getting into the red zone and stalling out in that red zone fringe, say the 21 to the 35 yard line. And then the times you got in there, hey, we're touchdown aside, which, as you said, great call, great result. Just difficulty with mistakes and stalling out. So, when we talk about, you know, they gotta be Baltimore, they gotta, you know, have this great run, they gotta finish these drives off more because yes, it worked out it was enough to get the win against the Colts and in the Falcons, but it's not always going to be enough. You can't get nineteen points and usually win those games. And so, um, those are very much things this team has to improve on and improve on quickly.
1: Uh, go circle this back to Pickett. There's about three, if there's th- about three more passes he completes in this game, it, it, it really changes the complexion of the game. I think one of them sure. obviously to, uh, to, uh, to firemouth That's going to be a touchdown right there. Uh, you know, who knows what happens if you give Deontay a better pass, uh, in the end zone that we just talked about, uh, there in that group of red zone plays there. And, uh, what, what's another pass in there that, that maybe he should add one of the ones to Sims. Oh, we forgot the other one of Sims going out of bounds and then back into the bounds. Right, you know, tough, game. A, a, a tough illegal, game. Illegal, touching there. So uh, uh, another one that probably should have been in the completion, uh, uh, completion category there. I'm not trying to excuse some of these throws. I'm just trying to say that you know there's a uh, there are there were a handful of throws that Kenny should have had completed in this game, and a couple of them his own fault. And it had, if he made two or three of those those uh, completions there. Uh, the prob- game's
0: probably not as close. Sure. It's usually how it goes. I'm sure the Falcons are saying the same ab- about Mariota. If he completes two, three more passes, they probably have a whole different, you know, complexity uh, to their game. So, point taken. I mean, some some it, it, very, it was close, but uh, as Pickett said, you know, close can, can get you a loss. And so it's not horseshoes and hand grenades, and close is not good enough. It has to be the results. But again, still good offensive balance. It's not a bad performance. Just talking about where this team can get better.
1: Uh, I thought Matt Cannon had called a heck of a game. To be honest, what are you going back through? We're going to
0: lose listenership to that. No, I I think you're right. I mean, it was anything in particular, or it just felt like there was something catastrophic.
1: No, it felt very balanced. It felt like a lot of it flowed, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, look, uh, you're never going to get any of us to, to go through a game and say, "Man, I, I every every call was excellent." Yeah, there, there's a couple of them I would would have liked to seen maybe maybe different in this game, but I thought top to bottom and balance and uh, giving giving them chances to to to, to uh, execute and down and distance, I yeah, you know, I thought he called a good game overall. You that, know, that, just, might, that might have been his best game that he's called, to be quite honest with yeah.
0: you. I, I don't know. Was, was there ever even one play where you didn't even like it? I mean, I'm just trying to think about what was you the know, worst the, call that he had.
1: The gu- One of the, you know the gunner in around. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. Uh, oh, what else? Uh,
0: but nothing uh, that nothing really got you out of your seat, really. Right. Like, like not like the watch shovel pass or anything. Crazy like that,
1: right? And look, I thought the inside run from the wing position with what on the sh- on the short. I mean, that really yeah. caught them off guard. Yeah. Now, obviously, if that doesn't work, then you then it's a bad call, right? But uh from we haven't have we seen that uh from 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 kind of the wing wing spot with no. With, I don't think I'm, they m- I'm not
0: even sure what to call it. I don't know if it's like a fullback belly or what the right right terminology, but yeah, how about Derek Watt being a secret weapon on third mm-hmm. one? They go this CBS broadcast said he's five or five on third down carries this year. Hmm. Didn't expect that one. Didn't have that on my, my bingo card coming into the year.
1: And look, no. I you know people get so upset when you when you when you praise certain people on on Twitter or whatnot. Man, I you people if you listen to this show enough, you know we call the good the good, we call the bad the bad. Uh, you know, we don't gain anything by, you know, taking taking sides in any of this. We never have at this point. We're 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 very established with the site and the podcast at this point. We don't we don't need to really pander any of this. I mean, why can't we just say that this was a good game by good good you know, nicely called game by Matt Canada, and then move on to next week where he might crap the bed, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean again the old 22 usually gives me a better picture and feel for how games got called, but I was pretty happy with what Canada seemed to to game plan for. All
1: right, uh, I'm going to give you the uh the stage here to talk uh, about the Connor Hayward uh touchdown, uh what 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 uh Cam Hayward said after the game and and a little nostalgia history to go along with this.
0: Yeah, that's why one reason why I mentioned top of the show kind of an emotional game because it was a very emotional day for the Hayward family. Of course, the late uh, Craig Ironhead Hayward played uh, several seasons in Atlanta. Uh, Connor Hayward himself was born and grew up in Atlanta or in, in the Georgia area, I should say. And so for Connor Hayward having his first career touchdown, a 17-yard catch um, early in the in this game, pretty special overall, and just a really good play call, a great route by Hayward. That little why not, whatever you want to call it, to kind of fake outside like you're going to you know, break outside on an out route or sit uh, to get that safety to bite and then stem vertical and get open a good ball from Kenny and a nice finish there by Connor Hayward, who's just a really good athlete, good football player. This uh, made those kind of plays before. Um, so, yeah, just all that coming together. Cam Hayward after the game talking about how he and Connor that morning had gone to uh, their father's grave to, to visit that and the emotional, obviously, moment. Of that, and Cam Hayward saying once Connor caught that touchdown, uh, Hayward was kind of a mess just on the sideline watching that. So just very emotional for that. And then, yeah, just one of my random rabbit holes that I went down. I just was looking up touchdown catches that that Ironhead Hayward had just to see, just on the off chance. And I went through. I think he had five in his career. And right, I went right the in first- the middle
1: of the game. Right, right. Not long after it happened. Right.
0: Yeah, it was yeah, at yeah. halftime. It was around halftime. I was just kind of searching because I had a couple of minutes. And uh, the first four I looked at, they were all short touchdowns. Didn't even watch him. Just saw the box score. They were five, six yards. I thought, okay, there's no, not, they're not going to be similar to what Conrad did. But I went back. I was working backwards. So the very last one I looked at was the very first touchdown he, he had. I saw it was 22 yards. So I went, let me just go try to find it. Just see what it was. And ended up being against the Rams in 91. And a pretty similar play. Not identical, but pretty right. similar. Craig uh, Ironhead. Out of the backfield, running down the right seam, getting behind the defense, making kind of a semi over the shoulder catch there and pretty darn close to what Connor Hayward did. So in distance and in play type, I don't know what that means, but that was kind of a, a cool thing. I just just by random chance just stuff just happened to stumble across.
1: Now, I, I would have to think that the the Hayward brothers had had have had seen that touchdown. You would think, right?
0: Maybe I don't know if they would would remember it in that specific sense. Maybe I don't know, but um, it, it's probably come across the highlight reel. But I don't know if it came across. Maybe it was some like an action shot. that didn't see the whole play unfold. I don't know. I, I saw the cam retweeted it, so maybe he he saw it. I mean, he saw yeah. he saw it at least then. Uh,
1: uh, I I guess what I'm getting at is I, I don't think they saw that and say, hey, let's let's kind of mimic the. I think oh this, no, uh, no! I think I think this is you know. I think that's just one of those things that, uh, things in life that happens that, uh, makes you say, hmm, sometimes, you know, uh, how, how, how the universe and all is maybe all connected. And, uh, I don't know, but, uh, that was a super great find, uh, by you. And, and, uh, it, obviously, man, there's even major media retweeting that, Alex, uh, uh, from, Pittsburgh major media as well too. There's going to all the all the Pittsburgh media people in, are, are going to get on each other for for <laughs> for retweeting something of yours. I think uh, here in these next 24 hours here, But yeah, great find and uh, man, uh, re- really the significance of it with with, with obviously being in Atlanta and, and, and Craig Ironhead and and it just it all came together there. It was, it it was a nice moment and. Uh, as Cam Hayward said good thing the cameras weren't on him cuz he was uh pretty shook up so just a nice the haywards are such a good people and even you know the mom is seems like such a sweetheart know mm-hmm. uh, on on top of it so uh good things happen to good people and that was definitely uh, a situation i think there in atlanta in that game for Connor hayward and the hayward family
0: amen to that and and the other weird thing is I, I was trying to find that game, that Rams Saints game in, in 91, where Ironhead had caught that first touchdown and that that game had only been uploaded, uploaded 12 days ago when I wow. found that clip. So just just <laughs> recently somebody up. Yeah, very, very <laughs> weird uh stuff there. But uh, great moment overall. And uh, that one meant a lot. And uh, also, I just have to say on the on the Ironhead touchdown. What a clean pocket. What a great job by that Saints offensive line Had <laughs> that quarterback had all day. But um, yeah, cool moment there. But again, to, to bring it to the presence of the, the here and now, Connor Hayward, I mean, this dude's just a football player, just a good mm. route runner out in space. Um, he just gets the job done. And even, I think you would point out, that was a pretty similar play to what he had, his final touchdown in Michigan State against Pitt in that bowl game last year down yeah. the right seam. Um, not not identical, but pretty close in terms yeah. of just, that, that's his spot, right seam, is apparently where Connor Hayward makes his, makes his hay.
1: Yeah, and and... and- uh, eerie enough that happened against a pit, right?
0: right. Uh, Our uh, heads the team. Yeah. They, they right. Yeah. You can, you can,
1: and, and obviously Kenny Pickett, you know, uh, uh, the link there as well too. So, uh, anyway, uh, that was, uh, that was a great find by you, uh, especially in the short, uh, notice and, uh, kudos to you
0: kudos, anyway, kudos so
1: to the Haywards too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So any other thoughts here on this offense? O-line playing clean overall, uh, stunts seem to be cleaner. I thought Pickett had a you know a good amount of time in the pocket and just, just a clean performance overall.
1: Yeah, the uh and I guess another one of the incompletions uh came early there where uh man they uh they send that uh heavy pressure and poor Pat Fryermouth's caught out on the edge. There's only so much you know, you could have. he he held up for as long as he could till he got tossed aside, but then Pickett gets hit and then that ball falls incomplete, right?
0: Yeah, Fryermouth does not do a lot of pass pro. I think that came against Lorenzo Carter a pretty strong dude overall, so not for him, forte, but he made up for it later uh,
1: My main takeaway from offense is nice to see him run the football, I thought Najee, maybe Najee's best game of his career uh, uh, NFL career uh, pick it uh, good enough, uh, and you just want to see uh, the uh, uh, the red zone conversions You know, see him put uh, sevens on the board instead of threes
0: All right. Let's talk receivers here. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, probably more off the field stuff than uh, anything on the field Um, in terms of at least the attitude. Well, with Johnson, it was more on the field with Pickens. It was more just the attitude and his frustration in this game. Let's start with Deontay. I mean, he made a couple of plays. He was running forward. And so that's a good box to check. And, you know, had one of the key conversions late in that game to help kill a lot of clock. Although the Falcons were playing off coverage, very strangely to allow that much space there. But, what was your thought on Deontay Johnson's performance?
1: It's got to be better. It's got to be more consistent. It's been nice to see him get a, a better ball in the end zone on that one. But uh, uh, I, uh, the Steelers got fortunate on that uh, on that review. I think. Uh, oh yeah, I thought for uh, sure that was a fumble. Uh, it, you know, I thought that was a fumble. I thought it was going to stay a fumble there, and it was going to be interesting to see. Maybe how, you know, we'll never know how the game would have would have went from, 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 from that moment on or whatnot, but uh, uh, the drop uh, that, you know, well, two drops now, it, it, it's gotta be better than that period.
0: Yeah, it does. It's gotta be again. I as you wrote about, and I agree with Um, it. It's, he's not been always used correctly this year. We all understand hopefully and agree to that, but at the same time, He's he, was, he was used
1: he was used correctly i thought in this game sure. from a, from i think so too from a, from a route i mean i haven't seen y'all 22 with the with the rest of the routes that he didn't get the ball on but you know we've been calling for him to get the football in space more uh and he had the opportunity on that on one of the crossers if he catches that he probably goes who knows he might end up in the end zone in that one uh in, in that in that in that first drop there uh the second thing i've wanted to see him is, is attack. Uh, being able to throw the football down vertically and, you know, that happened. Unfortunately, it wasn't as good of a pass. Uh, and then, you know, the, the other one down the left side of his attack vertically and probably once again, has some, uh, probably a ball that Kenny Pickett probably shouldn't thrown that, but at least we're, we're seeing him used now in ways that he should be used. And, uh, yeah. A couple of them, not his, his fault for where the ball placement was, but on a couple of the other ones there, uh, you, you can't drop those footballs.
0: Right. I mean, he's, he's not giving you a lot of reasons to, to continually to get him involved and make him that focal point. Um, because it's just been frustrating. And again, I, I thought for sure that was a fumble. I still think it probably was a fumble. It was, it was close, but, it uh, had, had that been a fumble, had that call stood. I mean, does Pittsburgh win that game, the whole, you know, story of that game changes.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Now the elephant in the room.
0: Now George Pickens, who held to just one catch for two yards on a little sprint out. I think he had, was it just that one target? He had two targets in the two
1: targets in the game. What was the other? Uh, what was the other one?
0: Nothing that I can remember. I don't know if it was a throwaway or something that kind of just, no, it wasn't a throw there. away.
1: I, I, I it was like
0: second and 15 on the first drive, short left. I don't remember the play, but.
1: Oh, that was okay. the one that was the that was the one that went went high, wasn't it?
0: What I don't remember the play. So I, you you'd probably right about that. Yeah, thing.
1: yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that was the one that was a little bit high on him. Anyway, over his
0: head. very frustrated. George Pickens in this game for the lack of involvement in production, who was seen on the sidelines, you know, kind of all the stages of sulking and then anger and, and rinse repeat. So a young guy. And again, we don't want to. I, I know some will make more out of this than probably what it what should be, uh, what should happen. But Pickens, my terrible take today is just on um, Pickens has to understand the offense he's in. It's going to be ebbs and flows, the role he plays. You know, he's a competitor. You appreciate that. But there are going to be these dud kind of weeks. It's going to be just how it's going to have to ha- how, how it's going to have to be at some points of the season.
1: I'll say it. It's bad optics. He's got to cut oh, it yeah. out. It, uh, it's, it's, it's going to become a talking point and the fans, a good selection of the fans right now are okay with it because they feel, Oh, he's got it right. Cause Matt Canada is not calling plays to get him to football, uh, yada, yada. The fact of the matter is you, you, you can't act like that because it becomes a top. It, uh, the TV cameras get on you, the TV cameras start getting trained to get on you in certain situations because, and that thing's going to snowball on him. Uh, somebody needs to get to this kid and, uh, look, I understand him wanting the ball. I mean, with, without a doubt, you you know, you're not, uh, Kenny, Kenny said it after the game. Yeah. He's a competitor. All these guys want the ball. All right. That that's not uncommon here, but you gotta be careful. Uh, you know, how, how, how you go about, you know, wearing your emotions here and he's not doing a good job right now in his rookie season. When it comes to that, and after the game, declining in the interviews not going to help people. Say, no, that,
0: I think that's a good thing. If you're I, frustrated, man, don't, don't, don't want to. No, 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 you
1: got. I, I think you got to atone. I think you got to answer for your actions, man. I It'll think be, if
0: you're frustrated, you shouldn't talk to the media because you might start saying stuff that's going to make this even a bigger. Well, because you know there's going be questions.
1: I disagree because it's just okay. gonna, because uh, I, I disagree. I, you want to act like that then answer the questions after the game. that that, I, that that's that's my thought on it.
0: Okay. Yeah, period, I, I just I, I understand. I, I just a player being frustrated in a game is commonplace. It happens literally sure, every single week. Sure. But I, but but I understand you want more, to restrain more than some we of
1: those even things. know, more than 100%. we even know.
0: But you're right. The spotlight is on George Pickens, for the position he plays. It's different if your left guard is mad versus if, you know, your, your star rookie receiver um, is mad. And I think to the larger point, you know, I, I just don't want Pickens to ride that emotional roller coaster at the first sign of trouble last week against the Colts. Drops a pass kind of starts sulking a little bit. Deontay, to his credit, talks to him, tries to keep his spirits up. It's the NFL. It's going to be some tough moments, some tough games. You know, teams are now starting to probably roll coverage to Pickens because he's the guy making all the plays. So you're kind of feeling what it's when he was a rookie, r- 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 still a rookie, but early in the year when the coverage was rolled more to Deontay and people didn't really know what George Pickens was and what he was about and what he could do, it was easier for Pickens, I'm sure. Now he's probably seeing more attention and teams trying to game plan and scheme him away. And so these moments are going to happen. I just don't want it to be where after just a, a little bit of time or one bad play, you're kind of in a in a funk. You got to make sure you're not in that situation because you're going to have to play that complete 60 minute game.
1: Yeah, we got five games left. How many more times do we have to see Cam Hayward and Deontay Johnson calming him down on the sideline? Yeah, you know, right.
0: I, uh, again, I understand the frustration, but he's a great it, player. I'm,
1: I'm glad he's on the steers. Don't get this will all be taken wrong because old man man Dave shaking his fist (laughs) at the clouds here. But, uh, and I, and I get it, but this is, let me tell you, this is the kind of thing that uh, into his second and third year, people are going to, he's going to end up falling out of favor, you know? Uh, And it's cute right now to say, well, we, we get it because Matt Canada's not calling him plays, but let me tell you, uh, this is not, uh, we, how many times have we seen this over the years, Alex, you know? Uh, whether it be in Pittsburgh or elsewhere, this stuff grows tiresome with 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 with, with players in their antics on the field not getting the football.
0: Sure. You don't want to have this be a talking point every single week. And again, for Pickens. nip it
1: in the bud right now, you know. Sure.
0: Yeah. And again, yeah, there's gonna be moments where Pickens is gonna make a mistake or not get the ball immediately or whatever the case is. Uh feel like he's open and, and the pass goes elsewhere. You just don't want to react so strongly to that at every sort of sign of trouble it's a long game he'll make his plays you know he'll have a good game next week probably and uh, it's the ebb and flow of a season and the more plays you make the more tension you get the harder it is to make some of those plays and he's probably feeling that for the first time and there's natural frustration that comes from that but you want to make sure this is not something that's evident in a talking point and happening every single game
1: look this is Kenny's team right now too this is this is a point where Kenny's got to go to him too you know, uh, and say, look, you know, I I do my best to get you the ball when, uh, when when I can, but, uh, you know, there are going to be times maybe where I don't. So you got to try to nip nip this in the bud.
0: Yeah. Cause when you're frustrated like that, then you're not playing your best football and you're in your head. And I just don't want Pickens to live in his own head. Basically, whenever something bad happens is the the short statement I want to make about that. So, um, it'll be a story. It's probably a bigger story than it should to me, but, You not something that you want to see repeated over and over and over again.
1: I I hope we're not continuing to talk about this, that's for sure.
0: Any other thoughts here with this offense? No, no. All right, let's cover a lot of it. Yeah, Steelers defense, probably a bit less to say overall. Uh, Very similar to the Colts game. Strong first half, kind of waned in the second half, third quarter run defense, things like that. There was certainly a time where Atlanta got its run game very much going, and uh, the, the big important thing was trying to to get some wins on first down. And of course, any defense wants to win on first down, but against Atlanta in particular, because they're such a run heavy team. If you could win on first down, you get them off schedule, you force them to throw their offense really has nothing to offer. Um, But once Atlanta in the second half got some wins on first down, they were in rhythm, they stayed on schedule. That's when they really started to move the football. And so that was kind of my takeaway in terms of what changed from the first half to the second half, Atlanta's first down success, a pretty key component.
1: Absolutely, and you could kind of feel because of the way the score was in this one at halftime that they and and I think I even put it on Twitter that they, they're going to try to uh, continue to to do something they didn't do in the first half, which was establish the run with uh, uh, with, with Cordell or Pat Patterson, and they did, uh, and they started to run really downhill uh, against the Steelers too, especially on that right side. Uh, uh, running right over there and props to this day. I mean, there was a, how many times did, uh, TJ Watt try to mess charge in this and at least get a body on, on Mariota? I think I counted four times at least, and I might've missed some some in there, uh, overall, but, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it wasn't enough. I think, uh, uh, the steers were flat out just kind of getting whooped off the line as well Two push back. Uh, it'd be interesting to see some of the gap responsibilities when we get to all 22, because you can't pick up a lot of those in the TV tape there. But uh, it really did feel like uh, uh, the Falcons were kind of taking over the game uh, with their possessions you know, in 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 the second half, and it also felt like too. How many times we talk about, man, the Steelers got to stop these unforced air, these unforced penalties, man, uh, they're they they're killing them. Well, that happened to the Falcons uh, in the second half of this game. Their unforced penalties was a huge, huge difference in in this game.
0: Yeah, that was really the thing that took them out of their the rhythm was, uh, you know, getting a holding penalty or a false start. And again, first down success, forcing this team to throw on second down as opposed to run on first and second down. That's kind of the difference between stalling this Falcons offense or not. But, you know, I feel like Pittsburgh, they, were, they weren't missing a bunch of tackles. They were just, they were getting blown off the ball and they weren't getting off of blocks. Right. And against, you combine those two things, you're going to have a bad time against a, a team like the Falcons that very much wants and is capable of running the football.
1: What would you say, uh uh I mean, are you what, what would you say about the lack of pressure in this one overall?
0: I'm not surprised. I mentioned that on Friday. I said I don't think they're gonna get a lot of pressure because a the Falcons run the heck out of the football and B, they run play action, they move the pockets, so there aren't gonna be a lot of great rush opportunities. So no, TJ Watt did not did not have, did not have a good game. Alex Highsmith, a really quiet game, just one tackle overall. But I'm not surprised by the lack of the outside linebacker production because I felt like this game was not designed for those outside linebackers to really get a lot of pressure.
1: Right. Only 24 attempts in this game. And uh, what was his average uh, time to throw? Do you, do you I know? have no
0: idea? No, I mean, uh, it probably was somewhat longer on some of the play action stuff, but they, they shift the pocket. They they sell run. Um, just never really felt like there were a lot of opportunities uh, in this
1: game. And plus, you know, I, I'm convinced TJ was smart and pretty good in this one.
0: Oh, yeah, he definitely was feeling it, uh, especially late in that game. But you got some interior pressure. Cam Hayward collapsed the pocket. He picked up his fifth his, uh, fifth sack of the season. And even on um, the Minka pick six, if you watch that, I want to see the all 22. But it felt like Hayward was collapsing that pocket pretty good. So there was definitely some so some better interior pressure, which you didn't really get a week, a week ago. You had more of that in this game.
1: Time to throw on Marcus Mariota. 2.77 seconds. So that's pretty, you know, uh, pretty quick.
0: Yeah, about uh, average. About average. Yeah, a little
1: above a little average there yeah, when, yeah. when it comes to that, uh, Kenny Pickett, by the way, 3.29 seconds. I
0: like guess college number
1: Oof. holding that football. Uh, yeah. all right. Uh, Marietta missed a few throws a one in the first half, I think to, uh, to London that he's lucky that one, what pick kind of overthrew, I think it was London, uh, uh, down the right seam there feels like Mariota should have made that one, uh, on, on, on one of the blitzes as well too. uh, London down the left side. I think it was in the second half kind of felt like, man, you got a guy wide running wide open like that. You better, you better hit him like that. He didn't, uh, Cameron sat in a couple of nice pass breakups in this game, right?
0: Yeah, I thought Cam Sutton quietly had a really good game overall. If I can, maybe I can pull up my uh, defensive charting here. So I'll me give me a second here on that. But I thought not only in terms of the breakups, he had, what, one on London on that first drive. I think he had one on that deep ball, on that kind of scramble drill. To uh, I don't know if he got a hand on it, but he contested it enough, and so right. that was good to see. But I thought his open field tackling on Drake London. How about the one? It was second down. It was after the, the Falcons penalty. They're in the red zone, and they throw that. That curl come back to London, and it, it, Pittsburgh's bringing some pressure on that play. If Sutton does not make that tackle, that's probably a touchdown for Drake London. Right. That's a big guy, and so I think Sutton's been a, really improved as a tackler over the years. Um, I thought what he did as a tackler in the open field against London really important in this one. So let me just try to pull up his target numbers here.
1: Yeah, we talk, we talk about while you're pulling that up, uh, 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 the Falcons shooting themselves in the foot. There were a couple, boy, that uh, that Cordell Patterson uh touchdown around left in there. Uh I, I, I it was a, it was a, it was the right call, I think, on the holding call of Malik Reed, but I, I I'm not so sure that maybe Patterson still don't score
0: uh
1: <laughs> uh there if Malik Reed gets off that block, you know. Uh but uh big, big play obviously in that game uh for them friends for them ended up having to settle for a field goal there after being you know down in there looking like they were gonna score.
0: Like you said, Falcons beating Falcons. That was certainly a theme in this one. Cam Sutton targeted according to my charting six times, allowed just three completions for thirty-three yards. And so okay. I would consider that a good performance overall.
1: Yeah, look, I mean they they didn't get whooped a ton for for in fact, how many explosives did the uh did the Falcons have in this game? One
0: to London, I think. Let's yeah, I think see. just
1: one.
0: Uh, maybe a couple of runs. I'm sorry.
1: Maybe three. Uh you bit. had deep, deep, deep right to London for 37. You had a Patterson right in run for 22 uh in the third quarter. And then they had the uh, the uh the that that Algier right tackle run for 20 yards in the game. So they had three three explosive plays, two on the ground, man. Uh uh and the Steelers had three explosive plays on top of it. Uh, with that, actually the Steelers had two explosive plays, but one kind of gets counted. The, the the Benny Snell run for 11 yards and then the horse tackle, uh, horse collar tackle for, Mm. you know, made that a, uh, 25, 25 yard, uh, play in that. So, uh, you know, look at the ball moved more than 20 yards down the field. So you might as well call it explosive play. So three to three on the explosive plays, uh, there.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, but uh, Pittsburgh winning the turnover battle, and they did so on the final uh, play the Falcons had in this game with Minka Fitzpatrick after, again, that great punt by Presley Harbin put the ball at the one, two-yard line. Minka calling game, uh, cover two. I've not seen the All-22 view of it yet, but just watching one of the uh, replays that the broadcast showed, you just see Minka watching the eyes of Mariota the entire time. Drives on the football. And then to me a very unselfish play to walk out of bounds as opposed to trying to pick six that one.
1: Yeah, probably made some fantasy owners mad there. <laughs> not probably I know he did, but uh uh he's 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 he hunts those things, doesn't he? Uh, how many times? I mean, th- there was one against the Colts that ended up being not not as close as what I thought originally thought it would be, but he likes that lurker robber uh uh role,
0: doesn't he? Yeah, Dave, he really does, and and they've been able to spin and rotate him more this year with some of the, the veteran presences in the secondary. Casey's return has probably helped facilitate that a bit more, so again, need to see the All-22. I don't know if that was a, a Robert Lurk call. Again, I think it was probably cover two, but I need, I need to be able to get a clearer picture to that, but regardless, the principle of read the eyes of the quarterback, drive on the football, make the play, that's Mika Fitzpatrick.
1: Right, and... Uh just kudos to him. Uh I, I almost tweeted pick six, but uh I understand why he did it and, and uh it's the right it's the right right thing for him to do there. Run out of bounds or, or it is, but stay short of the goal line.
0: It is so unselfish because that's important when you're talking about all pros and record books. I mean to have two pick sixes in a season doesn't happen very often. And I mean you're talking about defensive player of the year if you're gonna make any sort of, you know, throw your hat in the ring in that conversation you need those kind of plays and so for Mika, just to give that up to say hey we've got the win i don't want a stat pad i don't want to put my defense out there again i want to go home to me i think you have to really recognize that is a very unselfish play
1: right because the context will get lost Period. yeah it'll
0: be forgotten and by you know april no one's going to remember that that moment there but the the stat would have been there forever so right pretty big
1: moment right i mean and look i mean you you look back at oh, over the annals because we don't ha- easily we don't have access to a lot of the older games you know from the 70s and 80s to help add context to the things like the lc greenwood and stuff like that you know uh I, even though you have video with this and this video will will, will survive uh you know a long time it, it you know, how many people go back and add the context to it? You know,
0: sure. Had he picked six, that one, he would have had four in his career and his Steelers career. At least that would have been tied for the third most in team history and one away from tying first place held by both William Gay and Rod Woodson. So just from a record standpoint, all that kind of stuff, you don't get those chances too often. And so, again, just to make the point one last time you pass up on that, you decide to just speaks to the level of, of player and, and the character that Mika Fitzpatrick has.
1: Well, hopefully the, the the ball won't lie overall. Yeah. So uh, uh, maybe he maybe he gets one here uh, in this next game or two.
0: Any other thoughts here with this defense? I thought the interior lineman played well. Uh, Hayward Ogan Joby on that one play against Drew Dowman just ran him way back into the, the Cordell Patterson shed him and made the tackle for a loss. So yeah, I, I don't think,
1: think they played as well, maybe, as you painted there up front. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see what the All-20... It, just, it felt like they got pushed around in the second half. It really Sure. Did.
0: I think from the run defense, yeah, I think that was more first-half stuff. So you're right on that. I mean, I just, you know, I thought Cam, in terms of collapse in the pocket, again, I'll have to go back and watch the All-22. I don't know how some of the other guys um, did. And, and I was going to say, Ogun is a hot and cold player to me. I mean, he's got some really good reps and some reps that you kind of want to have back. So um, he's kind of a, a bit inconsistent overall uh the inside linebackers they're probably getting swallowed up a good bit miles jack does not look healthy he can't run i don't know if you notice that i mean to me i just feel like this guy cannot run right now with that knee uh,
1: i i did that didn't stick out to me yesterday but it gives me something now to look for in the all 22 uh, on that
0: so i mean i feel like he's definitely going to be one of those guys that has that scope you know after the season one of those uh off-season surgery type dudes because that knee i think is bugging him pretty good overall um other secondary levi wallace i think has made plays in the football um Casey, you know, getting some of the big nickel stuff. They were working pretty heavily uh, because the Falcons go so many tight ends and some weird personnel groupings and things like that. So a lot of action for DeMonte Casey. Actually, it was a couple of snaps. He was playing over Edmonds, even in just two safety situations. Mm. So something to note there.
1: How did you like how Edmonds was being used in this, uh, you know, in this one specifically?
0: I mean, pretty much a box safety line of scrimmage the entire game. Dime linebacker playing up near the line of scrimmage. um, Very much facing the fan type of usage.
1: Okay. All right. Anything else stick out in the charting, blitzing, uh, uh, linebackers dropping?
0: Uh, not much dropping. Uh, one time I think they ran a three-man pressure. They I think they had a Cam Sutton blitz where they, they brought the defensive lineman and dropped up both outside linebackers and brought Sutton to almost had a sack, and I think he got a pressure on Mariota on that play. So some different stuff there, but uh, not much mallet in this game a little bit, but it was mainly Sutton playing inside. Uh, quite a bit in this game when they went sub-package, which did not happen all that often, but when it did, it was, generally speaking, sun inside.
1: Yeah, Millett only played like, uh what is it, seven snaps? Six snaps. Six defensive snaps for Millett in this game.
0: But you thought it'd be more because of this run-heavy mm-hmm. approach, but really, Casey, we were using the big nickel stuff as opposed to Millett, so it was kind of Casey working over Millett is the way that I, I figured.
1: What was your biggest... Uh, you know, what, What's your biggest concern about defense coming out? It's just the way that they were pushed around uh in, in in the second half in particularly what what was not one hundred percent either. No. And that's that's a big big part of it there. Uh there was a couple plays, I think, over on his side that you would think normally he makes it with some of these runs.
0: Yeah, there was one. I think it was the Patterson twenty two yarder or mm-hmm. at least some run where he tried to punch the football out and, he, and he's not even being tackled. And so what you got you gotta I, I know that punch out can be really effective, but the guy's gotta be stood up first or it's gotta come from behind him or something. You can't go for the punch out instead of the tackle. So Just some stuff there. Yeah, I just think in the concerns to run defense leaky in the second half. I mean, again, Atlanta, that's their bread and butter. They're going to run the ball if they want to. They're going to eventually get some, you know, some meat on that. So I'm not terribly concerned, but certainly the run defense waning in the second half, not what you want to see.
1: All right, what else we got?
0: I think it probably covers it pretty well for me. Talked about special teams. Um, A weird stat somebody had pointed this out to me. I didn't realize this. Pittsburgh did not call a timeout in this game. When's the last time that ever happened? Did not use a single timeout in this game.
1: Huh. Let me search the time, The game. Book that, right?
0: Somebody told me that. I, I believe that's true. I didn't uh, specifically look it up myself, but I don't recall them calling a timeout in this one. So means probably little to nothing, but that was kind of interesting.
1: Speaking of which, what did you think about, uh, hold on a minute here. What did you think about the decision by Atlanta to n- not, uh, Hold on a here. Time
0: not use their timeouts at the end of the game there?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm Felt not
0: getting, weird. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm, not, the, I'm
1: not seeing any timeouts for Pittsburgh in this game. And then I guess the biggest thing was the, uh, in the, like the, the, let's see, Kenny Pickett pass short, right. Uh, to Deontay at Atlanta 39 for 10 yards. Okay. That was beforehand. Uh, Second and three, Benny Snell gets six yards for a first down. And then first and 10 was a Gunnar Olszewski left in for two yards. And that, 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 that play started at two 39. It, to me, it would have made sense to immediately call the timeout there.
0: Yeah. Again, I don't know the math of it. So maybe there's some, analytics going on that i'm not aware of but it felt like that was a misuse of the clock right uh what were your thoughts quickly on both tomlin deciding to go into the half with a lead as opposed to trying to to push it and also his decision to punt uh that led to that harvin punt slash minka interception say again well, let me let me let me uh, break it up. What do you think of Thomas' decision? End of the first half, three timeouts. He is backed up though, long field to just run the ball and close it to half, as opposed to trying to pass the ball and maybe get three points. were you yeah. do with the decision to just have it?
1: Yeah, I'm okay with it. Don't make a silly mistake in that situation.
0: Yeah, I think we just the long field aspect has been at say their 40 yard line different conversation, but I'm okay with that. And these these things are easier to say in hindsight after a win, but also and then his decision on it would have been. Fourth and uh, what's the situation there? Uh, oh, yeah, it was it was fourth and six to not kick the field goal instead of and, and deciding to punt the football. Instead, it was fourth and uh, six at Atlanta's 35 yard line. So a 52 yard attempt. What do you think of the, the uh, decision there?
1: Uh, I'm fine with it.
0: Yeah, me too. I think, you know, because if you miss that one, Atlanta has great field position, eating only three points with a good kicker. So. I'm good with that as well. So I'll work out there for Tom. Right. I agree. All right. I think it probably wraps things up pretty well. What are your just quick thoughts on week 13? Big, a uh, big fourth quarter for the Cowboys. 33 points. What a crazy game that was. There was the Colts look just, just a wreck. Deshaun Watson's return did not play well, but the Browns did enough to get the victory. Lamar Jackson, uh, his stat is very much up in the air for the Steelers game with a knee injury and the Bengals own the chiefs with another win over Mahomes and Kansas city.
1: Boy, I tell you, the Bengals when they play good, they play they play really good, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, there there are times, and, and 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 they obviously got Jamar Chase back, and looked uh, uh, even without uh, Joe Mixon, uh, uh, the fungibility of Samaje Ryan was able to get fungibility in uh in in, in, <laughs> in, 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 in this uh, podcast here. But uh, look, there's certain points where they look really really good offensively, like they can't be beat there, uh. Baltimore just skated by, uh, even though I thought, uh, brief, brief, quick, quick, kind of look at some of the highlights, hot uh, uh, Huntley seemed to play. Oh, okay. At backup quarterback. They just couldn't put the ball in the end zone.
0: Yeah, I didn't see many highlights. It doesn't sound like there were many highlights in a 10-9 game, right. but Huntley fits that offense. You know, He's not Lamar, but he's got a similar skill set, so their offense is not going to change much with Lamar uh, potentially being out.
1: Right, right. It's still going to be a challenge against Baltimore uh, oh, for, yeah. sh- for, for, for sure with him. And uh, yeah, well, Watson looked, uh, at least on quick, quick highlight, looked look kind of kind of rusty, uh, for lack of a, the better term there. Uh, Debo, uh James Harrison going to be on the on the Ben Roethlisberger podcast. So I, I would imagine maybe that's probably going to drop tonight or tomorrow uh, with uh, with uh, with uh, James Harrison and and, and uh, Ben Roethlisberger re- reviewing that game.
0: Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Can't wait for some for some, some classic Debo stories. And just a quick uh, follow up, according to Joe Pearson, who I believe covers the Panthers, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield requested his release and mm-hmm. the Panthers agreed to it. So that's why the move happened. Baker wanted out of Carolina.
1: Where does he go? San Fran? Th-
0: that's what everyone's saying, but I feel like, is that too obvious? I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, but I guess we'll find out when the waiver claims process. Uh, I guess it'd be by tomorrow for him.
1: Right, right. All right. Uh, we'll be back on this uh, on, on Wednesday, right? Can you do so- any
0: quick emails here real quick? We got, oh, we're yeah, yeah. we running short on time, but maybe just two or three quick emails to close out today's show.
1: Uh, let me pull them up real quick. Here, sure we have Cam. a couple of messages. Uh, let's see, Bryce. Uh, we hit Bryce all the time. Let's get some other people in here. Uh, pastor Joe green. I believe that our hometown heroes are beginning to display an identity as picket continues to develop his passing chops. Those broadening skills will add some quick hitter spice to the mix. My question, good grief would Dan Moore, make a decent guard. Question mark, uh, I would have I, I, I if I have to watch him jump early again out of fear of being beat around the edge. I fear for the future of my TV. I'm serious. Do you think he could play guard? Well, we already discussed this. Uh, uh, Pastor Joe Ground, I don't know if you're behind a couple episodes here. It is clear that his future is not at tackle. I, I didn't think it was an awful game by Dan Moore, to be honest with you.
0: No, uh, the, the penalties are an issue. He's got nine of them this year. That's right. most on the team. So th- that's a problem. But other than that, I thought it was fine for Dan Moore. Could he play a guard? We talked about that. Maybe, but I worry about the lack of power. Again, dealing with power rushes um, kind of is, is his issue overall.
1: Uh, from rich HUD just here is his uh, name. Good morning, Dave and Alex. I have some thoughts and I want to know if you can offer either confirmation or adjustment. Matt Canna's playing structure and play calling call timing. Worry me. Football is relatively simple. Sometimes it seems he tries out think himself. I la the George into the slot experiment. Hmm. Najee looks like a different running back. Was he really that hurt? Uh, Question mark. Kenny's best outlook seems to be Kirk Cousins type, which isn't bad at all. Knowing this is where do you get him help? He says, I don't believe TJ is 100% healthy. He's moving, but I see him went sometimes going to the sideline. Uh, no, another one. Is it time to move on from Tomlin? Not based on in performance, but more re- renewing the message. Coaches' messages get stale after a while. I believe at this point, he's the longest tenured head coach in Steelers history, right? Uh, he says Dan Moore he is a good backup tackle
0: that has to, this looks like a lot of scattered. Yeah. Is this uh, all one email? Is this is yeah, all one?
1: Yeah. This okay. is all kind of scattered, I guess, thoughts here. Uh, well, first not, of all, Chuck
0: Knoll is the longest tenured,
1: Right. Uh, so like Najee. Yes. Najee looks like a, a different running back right now. Was he really hurt? I mean, he's, he's a lot more physical right now. I'll tell you that He seems to be running a lot better there. So I, I, that would probably be correct. Uh, Kenny being Kirk Cousins, uh, it's too early for any of that, in my opinion. Let's let us just watch this guy develop on through the rest of this season here before we start calling him this, that, and the other. Uh, he says, I don't believe TJ is 100% healthy. I'd agree with you. I think Alex and I talked about that. He looked, uh, looked to be in some pain yesterday. Uh, no, I don't think it's time to move on from Tomlin, be quite honest with you. Alex, I, do you think it's time to move on from Tomlin?
0: No, those critiques of Tomlin and the lack of success since 2016 is frustrating and unacceptable, but I'm not in the fire Tomlin camp.
1: Uh, Matt Canada's playing structure and play call timing, worrying worrying me, football is relatively simple. Uh, Look, it it hadn't been great at times. I think the last couple of games have been a lot better for Matt. and Also, I think execution has been a little bit better, especially with the run game. I think the better the running game gets, the better Matt Canada looks.
0: Yeah, and the few penalties they commit and self-inflicted wounds and lack of turnovers, you do those things, you're going to be in a lot of games, and they were in this game and won this game.
1: Let's see if we can get one more here from uh, Caleb Zaworski. Good evening, fellas. up. hope you guys are enjoying the holiday season with Sut being in the winner's section after the game in Atlanta. What former Defensive back room, does our current one remind you of in Steelers past? He says, I think uh, Sutton matches up well with Townsend. And Wallace reminds me of Bryant McFadden. So I'd say 2007-ish, he writes. Also, it might just be me, but Highsmith has not looked impressive the past three games and what the last two. Could you have any idea why? As far as matching up the secondary, man, you got to remember back... (laughs) Back when, when I mean, there's a lot of zone coverages way back, you know, Uh, and now you're seeing a lot more man stuff. So I don't even see how it's even kind of fair to kind of say, does this DB room resemble of a former DB room? Let's say going back to 2004, or, or at least during the LeBeau era, because just so much different different style being played in the secondary.
0: Yeah, but I get the comparison. Sutton Townsend, not athletically super toolsy, but smart guys got the job done. Wallace McFadden. Yeah, I can kind of see that. The problem, though, is that they need Mike Taylor. They need a number one guy in that room. They don't have that guy right now. All right. Um,
1: Uh, What what would you say about the uh, uh, Highsmith and Watt? Not looking impressive, or uh, Heisman not looking impressive last three games, and what the last two? Look, there's there's a concerted effort to get that football out of these quarterbacks for the most part. If they're not on the move,
0: yeah, and Heisman was great on that final drive against the Colts. I mean, he he won that game. Uh, he was pretty sure quiet did. up until that point, but he was fantastic at the end. Again, the Falcons game, as I mentioned, uh, I think I, I'm not surprised by the lack of their impact. I was not expecting either guy just based on how the Falcons offense is built to really have much success in this game.
1: One last one, Jeff Berg. Hello, fellas. Back to back wins. Hip, hip, ray. I'm wondering if y'all feel TJ Watt came back too soon. He hasn't had any notable impact uh, uh, on a game since the Bungles game. Against the Falcons, neither Watt nor Highsmith did. Jeff, I I think you heard Alex and I both talk about Watt and Highsmith in this game against the Falcons. Uh, Could be a short week and maybe both will come back better after a day's rest. But look, uh, I I think they said in the broadcast. I mean, I it's pretty evident. What I don't think Watt came back too soon. I think he just took a shot in the ribs (laughs) late against the uh, against the Colts, and I think he's probably still smart from that. I I don't think it's from Watt coming back too soon. Uh, And we've discussed why you know why Watt and Heisman probably aren't impacting games at least last but but you know don't forget that as uh, as we've pointed out heisman really impacted the end of that colts game i don't know what more you want a guy to do in three snaps than that
0: <laughs> right now with 100 percent the pack does not seem to be the issue right now it's the ribs it's other stuff so nothing to do with how early uh tj more returned
1: all right well uh if you didn't get your email read or whatnot resend it or what have you and, and maybe we'll get to it on wednesday here we're trying to Button he shows up a little bit quicker here. Uh, now moving forward here, uh, within an hour, well under two hours, if you will. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazoro. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the Terrible Podcast at Gmail. Dot com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com, hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad free version of the, of the site, uh, go to steedersdepot.com, hit the ad free button. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday. Thanks for all everybody that, man, an incredible day listenership uh, on the podcast recently and uh, traffic on the site just out of this world. We appreciate all the support you give us. So uh, until Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.